The Lamb has overcome. Forever He is glorified. We're so glad you're here. I want to say this to you. I need to change my title. I said Easter is every day. I'm going to say that I want to change it, but I can't text the guys and tell them to do it on the screen. But resurrection is every day, not Easter. Resurrection is every day. Because the Lamb has overcome, we have overcome when we place our faith in the one who has overcome. Because some of you are coming here this morning and you have not overcome your sin. You will never be able to do good enough, try hard enough, do better to overcome your sin. You have to surrender to the Lamb who has overcome. And when you have allowed Him to overcome you, then your sin can be overcome by Him because He lives in you. That's the power of the resurrection. You can be free today. Forever He is glorified. The Lamb has overcome. So resurrection is every day. Man, if you're a guest today, we welcome you. Thank you so much for being here. We love you here at Sagemont. If you're a member, we love you here at Sagemont. We're glad you're here. This is Resurrection Sunday, and we're so glad to be a part of the power of Jesus working through us. Roy and I are teaching at the same time. He's in our Spanish service at 11.15. He did the sunrise at 6.30, so he's probably having a hard time right now. I'm fine. I do the 11.15 service. I'm feeling good today. So this is the last of the, this is the fifth and sixth service that we've had. We've had a wonderful weekend. But I want you to turn to, in God's Word to Mark chapter 16. Every person in here matters. Every person in here is loved by God and loved by us here at Sagemont. I want to read to you a text that I pray that the Spirit of God will just open your eyes to see the emotions and the trauma and the power in this passage like no other. All I can do is teach the Word to you, but I have to have the Holy Spirit illuminate truth to me as I teach. And as I teach, I seek to be taught myself. I have wrestled with this text. I have taught this text before. But there are some things in this text that are so important for us today that if we could allow the Spirit to grab hold of our hearts today and see some of the magnificent things in this text, God can do some amazing things in our life. And resurrection is every day. We look forward to seeing you next week and the next week after that. If it's not at Sagemont, go somewhere where they teach the Bible and they preach about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a relationship with Jesus. Not a bunch of religious dues, but a relationship with the one who has all power in his hand. Mark chapter 16, the story of the resurrection. I taught last week in Mark 11. I've been in the book of Ephesians, but here we go. Here's what the text says. Let me read it. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they may come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? You think they should have thought of that question before they left the house. Think about that one. <laughs> but when they looked, look at the text. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. About two tons, two and a half tons, that's what the stone would be. And entering, verse 5, the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. 
So the cross, we're going to talk about that. Who was crucified, period. He is risen, exclamation point. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples, circle this, and Peter, because Peter thought he wasn't in the game anymore, that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and they fled from the tomb, for they trembled and they were amazed. Those two words are important. They were trembling and they were amazed and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Father, I pray today that you would make this service as it's already been special. Make it extra special, an extra measure of your grace for those of us that are listening to the word that we would not only be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word. We would experience your resurrection power even in this sermon, even in this text. And any adjustments that we need to make in our life as we go through this text, including mine, that we would make those adjustments to align ourselves with who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. When you think about comebacks, you think about the world's greatest comeback. I remember I was living in Houston, and the Houston Oilers were up 35-3 to in a frozen field in Buffalo, New York, and everybody said, it's over. They've won. But if you've been an order fan too long, you know that that lead can evaporate, right? And so Jim Kelly got hurt, which you would think would be an advantage to us as Oiler fans. But there was a quarterback whose name was a backup quarterback named Frank Reich who engineered a comeback victory. The greatest comeback of all time in professional sports was engineered, and Buffalo won 41 to 38. Anybody remember that? And then last week, We hear about a guy who everybody said it was over for Tiger. He comes back almost in a miraculous way and wins the Masters. But when you talk about comebacks, you have to go to the Scripture because everybody thought it was over in Jerusalem. In fact, in this text, if you'll look at the first part of the text, the women came to the tomb because they thought it was over. They thought that life ends at the grave. And in their rational minds, they were coming, the text says, look at it. They came on the Sabbath, the Sabbath was passed. Mary Magdalene, these were people that were at the cruise, they saw Jesus die. They knew, they heard him say, they're going to kill me, I'm going to rise again. They're going to kill me, I'm going to rise again. These women had heard that testimony. The disciples had heard it multiple times, but everybody thought it was over. And that's what the text says. So they brought spices, the text says in verse 1, that they might come and anoint him. It was a Jewish custom to bring the spices to anoint the dead body of Jesus. So the expectation of these women as they're coming to the tomb is they're coming to pay their last respects on the spot to a dead Jesus. Never did they have any hope. Never did they think that he would rise from the grave, although he told them, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to rise. I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. And so they came to the tomb, not hoping to see a resurrected Jesus. They came to the tomb to pay their last respects to a great rabbi, a savior, a friend, and everybody in Jerusalem thought it was over. Here's what the good news is. It's not over, as Yogi Bear said, until it's over. 
And it's not over for you, and it's not over for me. Somebody may have written you off. Somebody may have told you that it's over for you. I got good news for you on Resurrection Sunday. It is not over for you, and just like it wasn't over for the disciples, and just like it wasn't over for the women, it's not over for you and me because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that can land in our lives today by faith in Him. It's not over for you. In fact, it can just begin for you today. See, these women came to the tomb expecting the expectations of a dead Jesus, yet they were surprised. So they were basically living in Saturday. There were a whole lot of people that were living in Saturday. They said it's over. And when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he didn't mean it was over. He meant he finished, he paid the sin debt, and it now can begin a new life for you. That's what he meant by it is finished. It's not over for you. It's not over for me. But the Roman soldiers who had nailed his quivering hands to the cross, could you imagine on that Saturday? They were just like the women. They thought it was over. Finally, we got rid of this guy, this person, this rabbi, this teacher. So the Roman soldiers thought it was over. Pilate thought it was over. I mean, he had a chance to befriend the eternal king and chose an earthly king, Caesar, to give his loyalty to. He thought it was over. The Pharisees and the Sadducees said, finally, it's over. This one who has exposed our uh, hypocrisy time and time again, it's finally over for him. He's dead. He's buried. It's over. Uh, Caiaphas said it was over. The disciples, even the fire began to fade through their eyes. The news had spread even to the pool of Bethesda, where a man that Jesus had healed, he understood now that it's over for Jesus. His eyes are now shut in a tomb. So the word began to spread. Zacchaeus, you remember him. Jesus took a hardened heart and made a humble person out of Zacchaeus and changed his life. And Zacchaeus is seeing the fire fade because he's hearing the echoes around Jerusalem that it's over. So you have all these people. You have blind Bartimaeus who Jesus had given sight to. He's thinking, I can now see but the one who touched my eyes, is his eyes are now closed in a tomb, covered with a shroud. These were the people that said and thought it was over, and they were alarmed. They, were, uh, they didn't expect the dead Jesus to get up and rise again, but he did. Even Jesus, who touched Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he had robbed the tomb for them. Now this one Jesus is now entombed himself. you you got to get this picture in Jerusalem. That's what the women were thinking. That's what the echo was and the cry was all across Jerusalem. And so they came to pay their respects. And isn't that what we do today? When somebody dies, we go to the spot where they die. We either lay flowers or we pay our respects or we have a vigil. So I want you to understand that in this text, everybody thought it was over except Jesus. He didn't think it was over, right? I mean, think about this. God sent his son. Jesus knew he was going to be the sacrifice for sins. And Jesus was crucified. And then he died. And then on the third day, he rose again. So everybody else thought it was over. But when he came out of the tomb, it alarmed everybody in Jerusalem. It alarmed his disciples. It alarmed the women. But I want you to understand, they came in to this tomb one way. Watch this. They left there another way. And that's what we want for you at Sagemont. We want you to come in one way. 
with whatever questions you have, whatever doubts you have, whatever burdens you have, and whatever concerns you have. You come in one way today to the tomb, but you leave another way knowing that the resurrected Jesus is more alive today, and he wants to change your life, and he wants to be a part of your life, and he wants to walk away from this place with you today. So it changes things when you talk about the resurrection power. This is what the text says. And so here's what they said. Look at the text. They said among themselves, because they were so sure that he was dead. (laughs) They said among themselves, who will roll the stone from the door of the tomb for us? Now let me tell you something. Jesus Christ did not need to roll the stone away to get out. Listen carefully. Jesus Christ is so powerful, he can pass through grave clothes, which he did. He can pass through walls, which he did. They didn't need need to roll away the stone in order to get out. The stone was rolled away in order that the disciples and the women could get in and see that he was alive. That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. All power is in Jesus, Jesus Christ. God himself raised himself from the dead. And so so who will roll away the tomb for us? That's a great question. But you should have thought of that, ladies, before you left the house. You should have brought some guys that were strong. Here's the point of this part of the passage. They didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. They didn't. Here's what I want you to say today. Here's what I want you to see in this text today. Will you consider the evidence Because Mark takes the account of women. Women could not even hold an account in the court of law. They would be dismissed. But Mark did not dismiss their testimony. So they came in and said, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb? That would be like going to Minute Maid Park and say, did you bring the tickets? That's the way it would be. I mean, this thing's just mixed up a little bit. So I want you to see in this text, they come in one way. They come in one way to the tomb. And then they leave another way. You'll see this at the end of the text. And that's our prayer for you today, that you will come with whatever burdens you have, whatever pain, whatever hurt you have, but you will walk away knowing the resurrected Christ wants to go with you. Now, notice what the text says. But when they looked up, verse 4, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. So this would be like a two-ton stone, two and a half tons. And what they would do, they would roll that stone into the groove in front of the tomb. That's how they would roll it. And then they would turn around. If the stone was going to be rolled away, it would have to be up a hill, up a groove, uphill. And a lot of you feel like today that everything's uphill for you. There's struggles in your life. There's battles in your life. And everything's an uphill battle. I got good news for you. The resurrected Christ has already moved the stone. He wants to move in the power of your life so that you can see him move in miraculous ways as you trust him. And this is an important thing. So verse 5 says, they entered the tomb. Look at the text. They saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. You think? (laughs) You think that would kind of startle you? Uh, my wife, we, we kind of have an open concept home. And I startle her all the time. And, and I'll come from the kitchen. I'm going to pay for this later. I'll come from the kitchen, and I'll come into the living room, and she'll say, what are you doing? And I'll say, I live here. <laughs> I live here. Now listen, do you understand what's happening in this text? I want you to see it. It's one thing for the living to walk into the living room. It's another thing for the dead to walk into the living room. And Jesus Christ was dead, and he walked into the living room, and everybody was startled. It shouldn't have startled them. 
because he told them, I'm going to die. They're going to kill me, but I will rise again. You know what the good news about that is? That you can die today from your sins. You can die in your sins and let Jesus' power on that cross that defeated sin take care of your sin debt, and you can rise just like he did out of that grave. You can rise out of the deadness of your sins, and you can have resurrection power in your life today. Man, that's good news on Easter Sunday. That's good news on Resurrection Day. Think about that. That's what they were saying here. Now look at the text. The angel said, verse 6, this is important to see. The angel said, but he said to them, do not be alarmed. In other words, that the dead just walked into the living room. Don't be alarmed about that. You see Jesus of Nazareth, look at the text, who was crucified, period. Stop right there. Jesus Christ was crucified. So if you're going to have a sacrifice and you're going to have a crucifixion, there has to be three things that are true. First of all, there has to be an altar. There has to be an offering on that altar. And then there has to be an offerer. So Jesus, for Jesus, the cross was the altar. They would lay the cross on the ground. And they would nail him to the cross while it was on the ground. Jesus didn't stay on that cross because he wasn't nailed by nails. He was nailed by sin, and it was love that kept him on the cross. you got to understand that. He was not going to run anywhere. He already had it planned out that he loved you enough and loved me enough that he was going to pay the sin debt. So Jesus Christ was going to be the altar. Jesus Christ was also going to be the offering. He was going to place himself on the altar. He was the offering. He is our high priest, and he is going to be the offerer. He is going to offer himself up to God. And when he said it is finished, he didn't mean it was over. He meant I did what I said I was going to do. I am the sacrifice. I am the altar. I am the offerer, and I am the offerer. And so everything is wrapped around me. So when Mark says, look at the text that Jesus was crucified, that's exactly what he meant. He was crucified. Now let me tell you two things about the crucifixion. First of all, they should have kept him on the ground. Let me tell you why. Because if they'd have kept him on the ground when he came, when they lifted him off that, when they lifted that cross up and he was nailed to that cross, the crucified one would die by asphyxiation. Now watch this, when they lifted that cross off the ground, they fulfilled prophecy because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So they should have kept him on the ground. The devil, the enemies of God should have kept him on the ground because as soon as that cross was lifted, prophecy was fulfilled. Oh man, I'm telling you, that's what we're talking about in the crucifixion. Now watch this. Not only that, but they put a sign over the top of the cross that said, King of the Jews. His enemies put that, that sign there, so his enemies pronounced what was already true of him. We already knew he was the king. He already said, I'm the king. He said, I'm the king that's going to ride into Jerusalem. Nobody thinks I'm a king, but I'm a king. And this king is going to ride in. This king is going to die. This king is going to be buried. And this king is going to rise again. So when they put the inscription, king of the Jews, not only did they lift him up and fulfill prophecy, but they pronounced what was true of him. And we already know it today. He is the king. He is the king. He wants to be the king of your heart. He wants to be the king of your life today. So when Mark says, look at the text, that he was crucified, he was crucified. Look at this, period. Secondly, he is risen. 
He is risen. See, the, the, the women come into the tomb and, they say, and, the, and the angel said, he's, he's not here. You know why he's not here? Because he passed right through those walls. He went right out of that grave. There's an empty cross today. There's empty grave clothes today. And there's an empty tomb today so that your life could be filled with Jesus Christ. That's what's happening in this text. It's a beautiful thing. And Mark wants us to see this beautiful picture that he is risen. He's not here. You know one of the best ways to disprove the resurrection? Produce the body. Produce the body. I mean, you know, you can go to Buddha's grave today and you can produce a body. You can go to Confucius's grave today and produce a body. You can go to Muhammad's grave and produce a body. You, you can't go to Jesus's grave and produce a body because he's not there. He's alive. He's well. He forever reigns and forever lives. If you want to disprove, if you want to disprove the resurrection, then just produce the body. It's just that simple. But the good news is that resurrection power that Mark's talking about can come to live in us when we trust him. Now look at the text. He's not here. I'm in verse 6. Don't worry. We're okay on time. Don't you worry. For those of you that go see a movie for three hours, never mind, I didn't say that. When's the movie going to be over? This is better than a movie. I promise you it's better than a movie. Here's what the text says. See the place to the women. See the place where they laid him. So consider the evidence. That's what the writer is saying. Consider the evidence. The word for see here doesn't mean to look at. It means to look into. It means to look into. And so the idea is consider the evidence. When I lived in the Albuquerque, New Mexico, when I would walk to my front door, I didn't look at my front door. I looked into my front door because rattlesnakes would oftentimes curl themselves right at the entrance of the front door. I didn't just take a look at um, the uh, door. I looked into the door, and that's the text is saying here that, that the, the writer, the angel says, hey, look into this. Look into the evidence to see if Jesus is not alive. Consider the evidence. That's what I would ask you to do today. So there's kind of an apologetic sense to this. And the evidence is that Mark accepts the testimony of women, and so we accept that. So for those of you that have never believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to consider the evidence that Mark considers the women's testimony as evidence, and there's much more evidence in the Gospels. And he'll appear to these women here in Matthew. So that's the first thing. The second thing, for those of us that do believe in the resurrection, look at, think about this. We believe in it, but we struggle. We ask questions like this, how can God be for me with what I'm going through? How can I consider the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus when I look at the struggles of what I'm going through daily in my life? Here's what I want you to write down. Think about what God has already done before you got to where you already are. Think about what God has already done in Jesus Christ before you ever got to your situation today. You know, sometimes I, I, I have a little bit of ADD, just a touch of it. Not enough to be on anything, but uh, just enough to uh, know that I have it. So we'll be watching, my wife and I'll be, she'll DVR something. Because she knows that I don't pay attention very well. 
And so she'll DVR something. So when she says, Freeman, you just missed that. What is happening in the, t- in the scene? I'll say, I have no idea. She'll just put it on pause, back that pa- bad boy up and put it over here. And then I'll live in the present tense of the scene. And then we'll move on to get the meaning of the rest of it like that. And that's what was happening here in this text. That, that the, Mark was talking about coming and seeing. Seeing what was happening, experiencing. Look into the place where they laid him because he's not there anymore. So what you have to understand today is that no matter what you're going through, remember what Jesus has already done before you've ever gone through whatever you've gone through in your life. He has prepared a way for you. He has prepared a place for you. That's what the text is saying. Now look at the text, verse 7. But go tell his disciples, all right? But go tell his disciples and Peter. See, Peter had denied the Lord. Peter had made some mistakes, He had said he was in the game, but when it came time to deny Jesus, Peter denied the Lord. And so here's what is so important about this text. Peter didn't know if he was in the game anymore. And here's what Mark says. You go tell, the angel says, you go tell the disciples and Peter. I got good news for those of us in this room that have failed, and I have failed miserably. I got good news for those of us in this room that have missed the mark, that have made some mistakes, because just like it says, and Peter, it can say, and Freeman, and John, and Sally, and Susie, because there's no failure that is final with Jesus Christ. If you just bow before him, and you trust him today, and you realize what all he's done through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you can move forward, and you can get past your past, because you don't live in the past of your sin. You live in the presence of Jesus Christ in your heart and in your life. And forever he will be glorified. And we got to be able to say to ourselves today, and Peter, there's hope for anybody in this room that has made a mistake. If you've made a mistake or you've sinned in this room, raise your hand. And you regret that sin, raise your hand. I still got mine up. Listen to me. There is forgiveness. There is hope for you today. Every day is Easter. Every day is Resurrection Day. Notice the text. Here's what he says. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There will, you will see him as he said to you. So what happens in this text? He gives them something to do. The, the angel gives them a directive, gives them a mission. Now here's the thing. You've got to take that phrase, and Jesus has gone before you. No matter what you're facing today, Jesus has gone before you. Jesus has gone before us in heaven to prepare a place for us so that when we die and we take our last breath here and the cord is pulled and we go to be with our Lord, he's already gone before us into heaven. He's already prepared the place. He's waiting for us. So Jesus has already done everything that he's going to do for us. And if we can live in the power of the resurrection, we'll understand that no no matter what situation we face in our lives, he has already gone before us. It's called customer service. We don't have much customer service today. You can go into a store and somebody go, huh? Hey, do you know where this? What? Y'all need some training. <laughs> but you go on a cruise ship, and man, they know everything about customer service, don't you? They call you when you get there. They call you, well, Mr. Tomlin, how are you doing? Good to see you and Leslie again. Great. Hey, hey let me, th- here's a little piece of chocolate on your pillow at the end of the night just to have a good thought before you wake up in the morning because somebody has gone before us. Here's the beauty of this. Jesus Christ has gone 
before us in every way, shape, or form so that when something hits and lands in our life, he says, I've gone before you. You trust me. You, you put your eyes on me. You look to the sun, as the song says. Listen to me. These are words of hope for me. Sometimes I live in Saturday. I do. I have doubts. I have fears. I have thoughts. And I've got, oh God, I feel, I feel like I'm in despair. I mean, I've got a sweet son that if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I would never see him again. I wouldn't. I, I couldn't say God has gone before me. But because Jesus has gone before me. I will see my sweet son again because he went before him as well and he took care of his path. And so I want to encourage you today, no matter what you're in, you may be living in Saturday, but listen to me. Live in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and live on Sunday. And Sunday's every day. Resurrection power is every day. It says Jesus has gone before us. That's what the text says. Now here's what happened in the text. Look at it. It says in verse 8, So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb. That basically means they ran. Here's what I want to tell you. They were obedient. They ran. Some of you need to keep running. You have a situation. You're embattled in your marriage. You're embattled in your job. You're embattled with your children. You're embattled in some circumstance, in some situation. And you're trying to fix it. The angel never said, to the women who were running. Now you run, and while you run, you start fixing this baby up because you need to work hard at fixing it up. No, the angel said, you run and you let God do the fixing. And see, that's what we like to do. We like to fix things. We like to change things. We like to hold on and say, I can make this thing work. I want to encourage some of you to start running, and if you're already running and you feel hopeless, you keep running and you keep sharing and you keep going and you keep going until you run into Jesus. In fact, he will meet you, not at the end of the race, he'll meet you while you're running. That's what the text says in Matthew. He met these women while they were running. Now listen, it says here in the text, for they were trembled and they were amazed. Look at those two words. They were trembled and they were amazed. The word for trembling is trauma. They were experiencing trauma. Have you ever been there before where you were trembled and amazed at the same time? I mean, we're talking about the resurrection today. That's an amazing thing about the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, but I've been diagnosed with cancer. That's kind of trembling to me. You know, I, I want to talk about the amazing things that God is doing in our lives, but then I'm faced with losing a job over here. That's the trembling part of it. So you have amazement and you have trembling and you have those emotions at the same time. But the writer says and the angel says, you just keep running, even with the emotions of amazement and trembling. That's good encouragement for me. So I need to keep running just for the sake of obedience. And God will work it out. Think about people in Scripture who were trembling and amazed at the same time. I thought of a couple. I'll be closing here in just a second. <clears throat> I thought of Moses. He led the people of Israel out of Egypt. That's going to be amazing. But he was trembling because for 40 years they complained against him. 
those two emotions at the same time. Abraham, who's the father of the nations, that's amazing, but 100 years old, and he still can't have a baby. That's trembling. Think about that. And Sarah, you remember the story. And then you have um, Joseph. He was going to be a great leader. That's amazement. But trembling is, I'm going to be in slavery. I'm going to be in a cell. So the idea is, we need to understand that God writes the script. And he writes the story, and he takes it all the way to the end. So it's kind of like when you read a book, and you kind of get caught up, and you wonder who killed the wolf, or who's going to attack who, and who's going to do what. You flip to the end of the book. You get where the ending is, then you flip back and it makes this a lot easier. And so some of us need to understand that we need to read the end of the book and understand that Jesus Christ has conquered death, hell, and the grave. So no matter what we're going through in the present, it may be amazing, it may be trembling, it may be both at the same time, but we still need to keep running. We still need to keep running and we still need to keep sharing. And we don't need to drop that baton. We need to run and run and run. Now look at the text, and I'm coming home with this. It says this, they were trembled and they were amazed and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. These women who run to the tomb are not super confident, but they are super needy. You know, we, need to, we don't need to be super confident in our own flesh today, but we need to be super needy. And we need to trust Jesus for what he has done. And we need to understand that he has risen and that we just need to keep running and we need to keep sharing and we need to keep moving forward to the end. And we need to understand that our confidence comes from him and we are needy people who need him to touch us in the most neediest place of our lives. And he said, I will do that. The resurrection is startling, it's amazing, it's alarming, but it'll give you the power to keep on running. Some of you feel like you're gonna faint. Some of you feel like quitting the race today. Don't do that. You can have the resurrection power of Jesus that will take you all the way to the end and you will finish the race in his time and in his way. Let me close with this illustration. There's a story of a pastor who was going to have an elderly pastor come and speak for him. He was the pastor of the church and he had an elderly pastor come and speak for him. And so he got ready to get up for his congregation, and his congregation thought he was going to speak. But he came up and he introduced the elderly pastor, and the elderly pastor came up and he shared a story. And the elderly pastor said, I want to tell you a true story about a father, a son, and a son's friend. And he began to share the story about how a father and a son and a son's friend were out in the Pacific Ocean. They were on a boat. There was a tremendous violent storm. The boat capsized. It's a true story. The boat capsized. And the father was closest to the boat, and he saw a lifeline next to the boat. And so he saw his son going down, but he knew that his son was saved. So he had to make a choice whether I'm going to throw the lifeline to my son's friend or I'm going to throw the lifeline to, to my son. And he told his son, as he didn't throw the lifeline to him, he said, son, I love you, I love you, and I love you. And he watched his son sink. And then he threw the lifeline to his son's friend. And so the pastor, the elderly pastor, is telling this story. And he tells the story, and he said he did it in hopes that the father threw the lifeline to his son's friend in hopes that the son's friend would one day be saved. The elderly pastor went and sat down. The pastor came up 
and closed the service, told everybody, thank you for coming. Stay with me here. This is important. After it was over and everybody dismissed, everybody was bewildered, and two teenagers came up to the elderly pastor and said, that story, that's a really good story, but that's good, too good to be true. And the elderly pastor laughed and he said, yeah, until you realize that I am the father. Listen to this. I am the father and your pastor is the son's friend. Listen to me. Listen to me. God loves you so much. He didn't throw the lifeline to his son. He threw the lifeline to you. He let his son go under. He let his son be crucified. He was dead and he was buried. But Jesus paid it all so that a lifeline could be thrown to you and you can grab a hold of that lifeline on Resurrection Sunday. Listen, if you'll trust Jesus as your Savior today, He will never let you go. He won't. Man, He loves you so much. He loves me so much. God has a plan for my life. I preach this to myself. I don't know what it is. I don't know what God's plan is for your life, but if you'll receive Jesus on this Resurrection Sunday, your life will never be the same again. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed in trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. You will be so filled with life that you can get out of bed on Monday morning even when you don't feel like it. Because resurrection power lives in you. Easter, every day, oh yeah. Because Christ in me is the hope of glory every day. I yield to Christ. Would you bow your head this morning where you are? I don't know what decision you need to make on this Easter Sunday. But I promise you this. God loves you. He has proven His love for you. And that His only Son paid the ultimate price on Calvary's cross and he paid the debt that I owed and I owe a debt that he paid and I can never pay it so I just have to step back and say Jesus I want to receive your forgiveness today if you're here this morning and you've never ever had your sins forgiven you've never had your slate washed clean You've never had Jesus do a scrub job on your heart. Do it today. And I promise you, you'll be back next week. Because this power that comes into you will never leave you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If you've never trusted Jesus, would you right now in this moment, would you just pray a prayer in your heart? God knows your prayer and God knows your heart. But say something like this, Dear God, I realize the lifeline that you have thrown to me in Jesus Christ. And I receive it today. I confess my sins. I repent of my sins and I turn to the only one who can give me grace today and that's you. Come into my life the best way I know how. I ask you to come in and forgive me and live in me so that I can have resurrection every day of my life. Jesus will save you. Father, we thank you for this wonderful morning. As we close out this great Easter weekend of resurrection power in all of our services, 
we just want people to know who you are. So give people boldness today. Give them strength to be able to follow through with their decision. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.